evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. They are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. We're here in John chapter 20, and as I warned you, these uh, four verses are pregnant with not only theological import and the history of the church, but also, also with all of our eschatological hopes. <laughs> eschatological. That's six syllables. That's a word you can really impress people with. Six whole syllables. Eschatological. What does that mean? Eschatological. It has nothing to do with scatological. It has to do with a Greek word for eschaton, which means the end times or last things. And, and, and like, where's everything heading? And if you notice, I don't know if you noticed, I put a sermon title up there. I'm gonna, I am I want to start titling the sermons. And, and, uh, and I, I entitled this, 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 this sermon, God's Transhumanism. God's Transhumanism. Because that is one of the things that is actually being presented to us here in the text. Are you familiar with the concept of transhumanism, of the techno-optimism of our age? It began for me with the $6 million man. Do you remember the $6 million? If you haven't seen it, it's really cheesy. There's all these moments where, where he slows down and there's a sound effect. He has bionic, bionic man. He's He's got a, a bionic hearing and He's the $6 million man. I think that's what it's called. Uh, Lee Majors, I think? Was it? Anyway, so anyway, uh, but what was that dream that's being articulated right there? It was the enhancement. It was the improvement. It is the enlargement, an expansion, the improvement of the human. Human 2.0, if you will. And, and, and that has been an obsession now. And as technology has grown, as technology has now come, um, uh, come into its sun, into, its, into the height of its powers, you're just beginning to see as so many things. The dream of transhumanism is alive and well. It's right here in this city. I would dare to say that between here and, and the, and the south, of, south of the peninsula, this is the center between uh, this area will be the center of a transhumanistic vision. What can we be? What does humanity 2.0 look like? There was a there was a there was actually a documentary that explored this. What does it look like for our genetics to be uh, to to turn to to be able to alter them and change them to shape ourselves? What does it look like for us to transfer our consciousness to a machine or some or computer? Well, anyway, this the show was called Year million. Year million. And that idea that even that expression, year million, is an expression of ideal hopes. But you know what's funny? In this kind of techno it fuels and it's deep inside the, the, the technological dream 
uh, I think there's something right about it. <laughs> believe it or not. I mean, I believe that dream is the right dream to have. A dream of being different. The dream of better than this, than this, what we are. And the idea, the dream that we could be better. Now, it's interesting. The transhumanistic dream is a dream for other humans. Obviously, if you're right now, we don't ever hope to be human 2.0 in our foreseeable future while with anybody living. But but it's a dream for all of humanity. But, you know, I guess funny about this. I think that Silicon Valley is a cheat. I don't think they've dreamed big enough. I don't think they even guessed. And I doubt that many people, let's say you're a visitor today and you're not familiar with the Christian claims or the biblical claims or the history of our faith, I will warrant that the greatest minds of Silicon Valley don't even know that Christianity is about us becoming like a God, us becoming one with God, us being transformed physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, and relationally into something else, something dramatic and beautiful. So what I want to do today is I want to gather the clues that are here in John. John gives us more than any other, other writers. Clues about what God's goal and plan and purpose and completion of us looks like. What is the transhumanistic dream of Christianity in the Bible? It's beautiful. It's greater. It's greater than the wisdom of Silicon Valley. And in fact, their, their visions of cheat, cheat, it's too small. Christ, God's vision is beautiful. So let's take a look. Let's, let's take a look at this. And this is our plan here, is to take a look at the details. Now, this is just one of those details. And the details being the details that in the text that are included. The doors being locked, it says, for, their, for Jesus came and stood among them. And so what are we doing is, what we're doing is, we're gathering these little details, and we're examining Christ's transcendent flesh. Christ has risen from the dead. You may not believe in the resurrection from the dead, but if you're listening to me now, entertain me for a moment, that the Christian idea is that resurrection will be this, an entrance into transhumanistic possibility. <laughs> it is like the ultimate human is what Christ becomes. And so, and, and the disciples meet him, and, and, and when we discover and we examine the details, we just examine, what is he able to do? Un, unrestricted mobility. He can walk through walls. We start looking. Christ eats. He breathes. He has a physical body. He cooks some fish. He broils fish on an open fire. He walks around, too. But he also, we find out in Acts 1, he can fly. He can fly. There's a new mobility. His wounds are visible, but they don't bleed. They're open. And, and we find in this next story, Timothy, uh, Thomas, we'll look at it in a couple of weeks, Downing Thomas. Downing Thomas can put his hand in the hole. So living wounds that require he's alive with a body that looks like it should be dead because of its wounds. He breathes, he eats, he, he drinks, he talks, he breaks bread, he totally human, and totally something more, something greater, something mysterious. So, and, and all I'm doing is we're gathering those clues together because I want to know what they tell us. And they tell us these three things we're going to look at today. They tell us what our God is like. 
that he finishes things well. They tell us what our God has made and that this world is holy. There's a possibility of the holy in my hands. I don't know, is that true? It's true. And third, this is what our God has planned for the stuff he has made. And I just want to pop all this open so that we can get hope and joy in learning it together. So the first thing we're going to look at is, what kind of a God is this? This is always the question I think you're supposed to ask yourself when you read the story of the Bible. You read the Old Testament, you read the New Testament, you read about Jesus, you read about Exodus. The question again and again should be for you and me, what sort of God have we come here? <laughs> is this this? Because we could be wrong. We, we could have thought differently. Of it. And, and, and we're constantly correcting ourselves as we're in the Scripture. What's, this is what this God is like. And this is what we learn. And that's what these details are for. How do this God, you know what this is God is like? Now, he is a finisher. Now, I use the, uh, use the, uh, the word, uh, it's right here in the text, this truth. The peace be with you, he repeats twice. Remember, so nice, he said it twice. That's the Hebrew, Hebrew repetition means perfection. But, but remember this, though. Do you remember what shalom means? Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. This Greek here is irene. The Hebrew word is the word we're interested in because that's the word that's on John's mind. It's the word in Christ's mind. And peace in the biblical sense is all about completion, wholeness and fullness of the person, completion and finishing. So these little details where, where Christ has this unrestricted mobility and this amazing transcendent flesh, what it's a it's a it's a sign of peace, the, the peace that God brings, which is the peace of completion and fulfillment. Well, there's two verses that, in particular that really illustrate this, not just the completion, but the wonder of the completion. Let's take a look at this. Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, writes Paul, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It's just a pure picture that when, when Paul's writing a letter to his friends, people he's led to God, and he's encouraging them with the character of this God. He, what, he, what he starts, he finishes. But not only does he finish, he finishes well. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 10. Yet among the mature, we do not impart wisdom, although it, we do impart wisdom, yes. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. I just made that analogy, right? Uh, the, the wisdom of this age is the transhumanist of the Silicon Valley men and women. Well, that's all doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So this is a secret older than time. None of the rulers of this age understood this, and they don't understand what I'm talking about. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They thought, in other words, they would come to Jesus. But as it is written, what no, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man even imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These, God, these things God has revealed to us, my spirit. Now, what is going on here? These two things are being taught us, two things. God finishes every single thing he starts. It's his nature. 
Uh, this this idea, this is the alpha and omega idea. You ever God talk, call one of his names? I am the beginning and the end. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the A and the Z is what he's saying. The alpha a, a, and the Z. Now, what's the point of this? It, it, it's, 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 you can't, God doesn't do anything part way. It is not possible for him not to finish you. <laughs> Praise him. This is just one of those teachings that sits there, and the clues of Christ's flesh are clues to this reality that you should begin to live in. This is the God we have come to worship. Praise him. And trust him with everything. You know, it's, it's easy to worry about how you're going to get there, how you're going to get to the end. Are we going to make it to the end? Let's give him tomorrow and every tomorrow, right? Because he will always finish everything. You know, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps on this petty pace from day to day, right? And it bears down on us and wears us out to the last syllable of recorded time, as Shakespeare would say. Well, guess what? Guess what? He owns all those tomorrows. Praise him and trust him fully. Trust him more fully than you have before and know him as he is. And God, in the second part, no eye has seen or ears heard. Not only is God finished, he finishes well. <laughs> he finishes. He finishes with an exclamation point as big as the universe. And, um, and, and right there, he finishes so well that he wants to blow your mind. Eye has not seen, ears not heard. That's his delight. God, God plans to blow your mind. <laughs> like it's one, of the, it's one of the things you should take for granted. As you look forward to the God who finishes, he finishes well, and he's going to blow your mind with what he does with your mind <laughs> and what he does with your body, what he does with who you are and with the mobility you have when you have transcendent flesh. I'm, I'm reminded of that moment. I just I don't know why I saw the clip, uh, but it was um, you complete me. Remember that from McGuire? You complete me. That's what we say to God. And that's what he's saying to that's what that's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. I complete you. When he says peace to you, and this is the peace that's available right now in this moment. As I'm preaching, you can begin to live and enjoy the peace of knowing this God. Call on him now. Call on him now. Fix your eyes on him now. Now, what's the first thing? We discover what our God is like. When we discover, what we discover when we examine Christ's transcendent flesh is we also discover what our God has made is holy. The material world is holy. This is a strange teaching. This is very, very real for us. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want, the reason I'm putting this in front of you, he breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit, is, is that this, this idea that, that that was holy, the exhalation of that vapor and that breath was carrying, air is holy. You get it? It echoed with his voice and his breathing. This, and I guess something we don't understand about Christ becoming a man and him living here. When he remember what he said to the disciples, "You have seen me, has seen the Father." That there's a possibility in this created things, in technology, all these places, even Zoom, the created things of this world can bear the weight of revealing the glory of God. And this is very important for us for two reasons. He breathed on the Holy Spirit. We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 1 really is like a theological explanation of John 20, isn't it? In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the disciples just heard it right here. They heard the word of truth from Christ, the gospel of your salvation, and believed. They believed, right? 
and they were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. And so they, they received a deposit, an earnest money for their bodies. And look at here, look at this. Because this world is holy, because physical things can hold the holy, that's why holiness in our bodies is possible and, and is so valuable. Look here, flee from sexual immorality. Right here. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, the two teachings that kind of come out of this that I'm hoping that I want us to have with joy is first, the Holy Spirit is like earnest money from God in our bodies. And I think this is dynamite. <clears throat> in other words, the, the, the beginning of the transhumanistic thing that God is doing, he's already begun. <laughs> you're already, you're already evidencing, in, even in, internally, and, and, and in your heart, and your mind, and your intellect, and your emotions, and your affections, and your beliefs, you're beginning to look like Jesus. Now, a part of that is glorifying God in our bodies. Why am I so important? Why is this so important? Why, why am I in earnest about it? Well, those clues where Christ is eating the fish or when, he, uh, or when, he, when Th Thomas puts his fingers inside, they're very, very intentional. Ancient writers like John don't include details for your enjoyment. It's not for your reading pleasure. And the details are not there for, uh, that's not their purpose. They're actually meant to be, they're meant to be attacks. And what I mean is they're attacking an ancient worldview. In the ancient world, and this was so universal, it's hard to appreciate. In the ancient world, religions often taught, almost all religions taught, that the flesh, your body, this world, it's evil. All of it's evil. The reason that we sin is because of bodies. We are pure spirit. This is Plato. This is Greek. This is Ver And it, it was so common that even, even amongst Jews and, and, and the Jewish people, and people got this idea that it was matter. It was the problem of, of matter. Matter is where sin comes in. If we could just be spiritual, we could be pure. It's totally unbiblical. It is so far from Christ's vision. And I want you to hear this. Those details about Christ's transcendent flesh are apologetic attacks on a false idea that was common in his day. An idea that the material was evil, you had to be more spiritual to be a better person. It's not true. It's not true at all. Now, the modern, modern, modern people like your doctor, or people walking down the street, and people are in San Francisco, they don't think the flesh is evil. So do these details about Christ's transcendent flesh, are they important still? Oh, yeah, they still serve the same purpose. Because the ancients thought the flesh was evil, therefore they, they, they didn't think that it could be changed or transformed. But the modern man says the flesh is just a bag of chemicals and meat. They don't say it's sinful. They just say it's irrelevant. It's not in bad. It's not, it's just not important. All you are is a skin bag filled with metabolic chemicals operating and animating the meat of your muscles. 
and a bunch of electrical currents go through your head, that's all modern man thinks you are, period. So it's interesting, transhumanism for man is just an improvement on the skin bag of meat and chemicals. That's all they can do. That's why transhumanism often, often goes to the idea of putting your brain into a computer, which seems really stupid to me. But, but it seems like fantasy. It just seems so silly. It seems like something absurd. But people are dreaming about it. People are dreaming about it. And, and, and the reason is, is because these, these flesh bags, uh, these skin bags, are, are just are, don't mean anything. You see the same, it's the same problem, just slightly different. And you, I can hear Christ refutes modern man and every scientist, because let me tell you, you know, those doctors and the scientists and everybody in this generation does not value that this was made to reveal this, 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 you. This was made to reveal the character and person of God. It is holy. And that, that's, that's all a buildup. And then look at that 1 Corinthians passage. You know, when we examine Christ's transcendent flesh and realize that that's God's purposes, he wants to remake our flesh. Heaven's not just us being spirit. It's us being body and spirit, body and soul, fully. That's what the new heavens and the new earth are. It's a new creation. It's this creation remade. It's just it's not by and by floating on clouds with wings uh, without a material body. That's a, that's a, that's a uh, worldly idea. That's actually a Greek idea. It has nothing to do with the Bible. The Bible doesn't describe us that way. So, uh, so but, but, but the reason we have these details about Christ's flesh is it underscores what I want to get to, and that is sexuality is holy. You see, uh, this world tells you because you're a skin bag, you might as well share juices with any other skin bag of chemicals that you want. It doesn't matter. You see, this doesn't, nothing matters. Do you hear me? That is not the nature of who we are. And God, his human, his humanity 2.0 <laughs> is preceded by people who begin to cherish and love their bodies and hold them holy and do not give them away sexually to anyone under any circumstances until they are in the glories of marriage, period. That's for you, it's for me, it's for all of us. But don't you get it? The affirmation of the body is beautiful. I said sexuality is holy, so don't do it before you're married. But let me encourage those of you who are married, double down on enjoying the beautiful things that God has given you for one another because it's holy and it glorifies God, so do it. Stay away from the things that corrupt the flesh. You've heard people say you shouldn't smoke or drink or you should exercise because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's bad teaching, but let me assure you, it is not what 1 Corinthians is teaching. It's teaching about sexual immorality, because sexual immorality is the great betrayal and rejection of what? Of the, of the, of the beautiful body that God has prepared for you. This is all to be holy now, because it will be super holy with him. And we, saw, we find the warrant for our holiness and withdrawing from all those sins, as well as the warrant for us deeply enjoying. And are you deeply enjoying your sex life? Are you? You, you should. God commands it. That's why he gave it to you, to enjoy it. Praise him. Some of you say, well, that's a cheat. I'm not married. What am I supposed to do? Well, God has given you a different task. Keep your body holy. It belongs to him. 
So this is all, these are all the implications. Isn't it amazing? The implications of the eschatological vision, there's a word again, that end times vision, this is of Christ. And when we examine Christ's transcendent flesh, what have we discovered? We discover clues about what sort of God this is and how he's drawing everything to completion in his, in his will and his wonder. And he wants to blow our mind with that information. But more than that, he has made this world holy and the breath you breathe is holy and let it be holy what you do and say to women and men around you and let, live in holiness and, and let your sexuality reflect all that and all of his beauty. There's more. There's still more. When we discover, what we discover when we examine Christ's transcendent flesh is this. This is what our God has planned for the stuff he's made. It's a preview. It's, it, it, it is, this is giving you an example. Now take a look at this. Uh, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And he breathed on them. Well, why do I highlight these texts here? Because if we look at them, they're telling us that God, that, that this is what it's God is like. He's a planner. He's a planner, and he's got things orchestrated out from now till that till that end point, perfectly in between. And he's moving with purpose of sending, and he's moving with purpose. And, and the reason I put he breathed on them here is because remember he breathed on them in John twenty verse twenty two, is an echo of Genesis two when he breathed on man and made us a living. He breathed on Adam and made Adam a living being. Why do I call attention to this? Because this language here was meant, to, was meant to point you back. So you would see the big picture, and you would see Christ in this moment here. You would see Christ in this moment in this room with this transcendent flesh. You would see him breathing and know this was as great a moment, this was as great a scene as the creation, the original creation of man. It's as great a scene, and it anticipates and teases out a future scene of breathing with him, of his sending ending with us arriving in his glory. What is what does he plan? What has he planned? Do you know what he's planned? And this refute let's let's read 1 Corinthians 15. I encourage you to read the whole chapter. Just as we as we have borne the image of the man of dust, what's the image of the man of dust? That's Adam. That's Adam right there. That's Adam. That's why. That's why when, I, when we just referred to, when I said that he breathed on him, that John 20 text is referring to Adam, I think. And you see, whenever we talk about resurrection, we have to go back to Adam. Just as we are born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Who's the man of heaven? It's Jesus. The clues of his transcendent flesh are meant to be yours. And what is really going on? Well, I'll show you. I tell you this, brothers, this is what's really going on in Jesus' body. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you, a mystery. (laughs) We shall not all sleep. Some people won't die, in fact. But we shall all be changed. This is something Christ talked about when he talked about end times, and Paul's kind of giving you an inside skinny here that some people will actually not even die when Christ returns. In the moment, we'll be transformed. In the twinkling of an eye, it's instantaneous. At the last trumpet, this one got, the trumpet will sound, the Lord will descend. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And what the clues in Christ's mobility, his flying, his, 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 his living, again, 
All those little clues about his flesh are what? Clues as to what it looks like for the imperishable to put the perishable, I'm sorry, that which can be destroyed, putting on what can't be destroyed, the imperishable. Uh, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, right here, what, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying, it'll fulfill the Bible, right? Death is swallowed up in victory. Let's look at Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, Christ was just raised in John 20. This is the theological result of that. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Uh, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, is the, the end time. Remember when he comes with his body, finally, then you also will appear with him in glory. What's going on here? The first thing I want to invite, just to see, is God's macro plan across all of time in four acts. It's so meta, right? <laughs> but the picture here is that the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation can be summed up in these four acts of God, in these four uh, states of man, they were called in, the, in, the, in old theology, the fourfold states of man. I think, I can't remember who came up with that. But, but uh, the God's macro plan is quite sometimes full of four acts. And these are what they are. Creation, fall. Creation, God made us. Fall, we choose against him to reject him. Redemption, he sends Jesus to heal the brokenness between us and God. And then consummation, he sums it all up. And this is where we are right here. We're right between redemption and consummation. This is where our time slot. And I want you to have a vision that John 20, by the language it's using, is, is plotting that scene on this great act. And I guess in these great series of acts of God. And I guess what I want you to do, and what we need to do, is plot ourselves in this. This is about you and me. Where are you in this? Are you still fallen? Is this still you? Are you still stuck in your sin? Are you still dead, unable to understand? Are you still struggling to even get close to what I'm talking about? Does transhumanism, does this excite you, but you don't know how to, how to believe it? Are you in a place where Christ is not yet your Savior and your God? Then, then hop in. <laughs> what you, look, I'm preaching right now. And the sound of my voice is the sound of God beckoning you to come into his scheme, to come into his plan, to come into his progress, to come into his, his, his acts, his great mighty acts in space and time. These, this, this plan is 14 billion years old, and it's going to extend for eternity. And it's barely even started. It goes forever. What a God. What a Savior. Are you on? We're, we're in the plan, the macro plan. Hop on and hop in. And so I, I'm just excited. The Holy Spirit, God's plan for transcendent flesh, it's, it's first of all, just an invitation <laughs> just to come in. Plot yourself in that. Do you know where you exist in that ark? And have you given your life to Christ? And do you trust in Christ as he's offered to you on the cross so that the consummation is your consummation and not your judgment? If you don't have Christ, then this, this story locks you out. This story has an ending for you. But it isn't a pleasant one. And consummation doesn't happen. Judgment happens. 
But so, but one of the things that, what, what did you notice the language seek and it said here, seek, seek the things that are above, set your mind on the things that are above. I had this idea that, that we, we need to dig in on our hopes for this, for, for what this, what God is going to do and look, look for the treasures in the text. And what I mean is, is that, is that part of what this is all about is to give you some perspective you see these four acts and, and, and the hopes and the upgrade of our bodies and our minds and our souls and our lives and our morality and everything. It's just, these are teasers. It's a hope. And, and hope has been set before you. Hope. And, and, and what does, something magical happens here. What, what is a miracle? What is a miracle? What is it? What is it, when miracles happen? What's happening? I had a teacher teach me this years ago, and I, I want you. I want you to see this because it'll help you want to look for more clues and more to gather these treasures uh, uh, that, that are in Christ's transcendent flesh. Because because I forgot what I was saying. My, my brain just went blank. Uh, Oh, so what, what, what's happening? The consummation is erupting now. It's, it's an idea that is so powerful. The consummation is erupting backwards. So what does it happen when we pray for somebody and the miraculously heal? Sometimes it happens, sometimes it ha doesn't. Some, we yearn for it to happen all the time. But in those moments where something happens or somebody becomes a Christian or there's an answer to prayer about work and, and God, God moves in his might for housing and Chill, whatever, it may, whatever it is we're praying for, things we, we need. What are those miracles? They're down payments, they're previews, they're teasers of the consummation. Uh, what, what this teacher said that I had years ago was there are eruptions backwards from that great final place where all the plans of God for peace and completion are fulfilled. And I guess that's that's such a fun way to think about miracles because we're saying, hey, Father, can we have can we have a little down payment? <laughs> can we have a little extra of that final bit? Can we have more of that? Can we have more of those things? But one of the things it's meant to do is also to give us perspective and to look forward. What is this endless mobility that Christ have? What is that but a promise for you, Robin? Right? Or for everybody who can't move as they will? Who are tired of their old bones and, the, and they're creaking and, they're, and how mobility has shrink and mobility shrinks as you get older. What is God's promise in consummation? You look at the little details. Unlimited, unrestricted mobility. Freedom from all your wounds. Transformed. Oh, man. This is fun stuff, right? And the reason, and, and I guess what, what I was hoping to do today, and I'm hoping you'll do with your Bibles now, read the end of every gospel. Read the first chapter of Acts. And as you read the end of the gospel, gather the clues. And in your imagination, imagine what it would be like when you had such flesh. Bruce Coburn was a, was a folk singer that I really loved uh, years ago. He wrote a whole song about this. And, uh, and, and find the song and, and go sing it this week. And this is the song. I'm going to fly someday. I love singing that song. You know why? Because I'm gathering the clues of who God is. I'm gathering the clues of his plan, and I'm owning them for, my, for me. They're mine, and they're yours. And, and the way those disciples in that room, upper room, you're there with them. Imagine Christ here now breathing on you. You have a deposit guaranteeing eternity. 
and, and first fruits of that are coming. And we, we can ask for miracles and eruptions of consummation glory now, here, with miracles for our bodies. Yes, we can hope for that. But even then, even in our suffering, even if we're trapped in it at times, if God leaves us in it for a season, or for a long time, we have try a treasure, clues that we can imagine, and our imagination cannot be fettered. Not when it's free by faith and informed by God's word, and our imagination can tell us, wow. I has not seen, ears not heard. God wants to blow your mind, but man, I, li I like to imagine what it's going to be like. You know what's going? You know what? I'm going to fly someday. You just you wait, just you watch. It'll be amazing. Let's pray. Father, you're good, and your love endures forever. Father, you're good, and I. I thank you for the way your works praise you. Father, you are good, and I thank you that the clues of transcendent flesh were given to us for hope. Father, you're good. You plan all things well. We ask to be caught up in the great your great actions, your great acts across history. Let us be caught up in the consummation, Father. We're hungry for it. Would you have that consummation break in some more for us, <laughs> break into our lives? We're a needy people. We have all sorts of things we, our hearts desire. Would you hear us? Be kind to us. Would you teach us how to be holy with our bodies? Will you show us uh, and, and encourage us and draw us and, and, and make us holy? Because we don't know how to do it. We, we need you to do it. Breathe on us now, Father. Breathe on us, Son of God. Breathe on us and we'll have new life. I want to thank you for this time in your word. I want to thank you that, that, that for the promises of new flesh, of transcendent flesh that are just for me, they're for us. And uh, give us hope right now, right here by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.